you're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. What is up, everybody? This is Michael Smeltzer with Wolverine Chronicle, and I have a very special guest for you guys today. When this guy played his last game for the University of Michigan, he was the all-time leader in games played. He's eighth all-time in uh, three-pointers made for the University of Michigan and was part of the team that brought Michigan back after a 10-year drought. And, of course, I'm talking about Stuart Douglas. Stu, what's up, man? What's going on? Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, that was – Quickly or shortly lived. I remember Jordan Morgan beat that the next year, and I was like, what was even the point? And then year after year, like, I feel like there's more games that have been played. The COVID year, yeah, blew up everything. And, like, yeah, eight now, eighth in the, in the, in the top ten of three-pointers made. That's still I'll, – I'll take that. Hopefully that will last for at least a few more years before I die. Yeah, your games played record was bound to be broken with the COVID year, right? Guys like Eli Brooks were going to come around and shatter that no matter what. Oh, yeah, completely destroy it. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, man. Uh, you know, I would like to lead off because y- you were so heavily involved with uh, a guy that, that I admire, admire as a leader, and that, of course, is Coach John Beeline. He was recently inducted into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. And I'm curious, you know, your perspective on what, like, what made Beeline such a good leader? What were, what were his best characteristics? He was so detail-oriented. And, you know, it, it bugged the hell out of us at times, but it was <laughs> a key to our success at all times. I mean, we, after that four years, I looked at basketball completely differently. I watched a game of basketball completely differently and probably pretty uniquely to at least some other programs that send players out, like all the mistakes that people make, like being a half a foot, half a second slow on a, coming around a, a ball screen you know, just little things here and there, like nothing, everything had the ability to um, make a mistake in it. I don't know if that, I'm saying that right, but like you, you could always improve on every every little thing. You're like, why are you, why do you care about that? And everyone knows about his passing drills and, you know, putting, you know, we're seniors and we're doing five-star passing drills and like working on like perfect spin and all this stuff. And you're like, who cares? But it all does add up at the end, big time. I was actually just looking at, our Ken Palm stats, funny enough, from my senior year, and we were like efficiency, like super high, like super high. We were, our pace was like one of the slowest in the country, but our we were good because we were super efficient offensively, and I think adjusted to a, a strength of schedule. We were number two in the nation that year, which was pretty cool to see. I had no idea. Now they're just you know analytics. You can toss them up to that, but you know that was. That was it. it again. It, it could bug the living hell out of me at times, and you micromanage it, and you're like, "Dude, you got to let that go for me." And but it was a key to our success. Like we were, we knew exactly what our jobs were, and if we didn't execute them, then you were going to hear about it. And that we were held accountable for those things, and that is massive, especially when you start to get talent. When that, after me, when they really started to get some NBA talent in there, um, or like my start my senior year, you know, junior year with Tim, but like that's they started developing that pipeline. Those things come in. Those are those. That's huge. You know, you have to manage talent. But you also have to keep them accountable. So, 
you know, those that that was probably the biggest reason for his success. I do want to shout out though, I'm talking a lot here, but I do want to shout out the assistant it. coaches. They were they were huge in that. Like Bakari and Laval and Jeff Meyer, when they all got to when they all three finally came together in my junior year, the program changed. It it took off. Like Beeline, you know, would micromanage us, but he'd also micromanage like his assistant coaches. And finally, you know, he he was told like you gotta you gotta let us do our job. You got you gotta let them do their jobs. They're good at what they do. You hire them for a reason. Let them run the defense for this practice or for this scout. Run them run the offense. Listen to their ideas. And when that all started clicking, we were like a full unit finally. You know, it wasn't like, you know, the first couple of years you're building a program, you're kind of speaking at people and you're trying to get them to listen. You don't want to listen, get out then. All right, then you're not going to play. When as that starts to develop, you're going to start hearing more voices and you have to start trusting more people. And that's hard for Bila. That was hard for Bila because he was always a head coach. He's never been an assistant coach in his entire life. So you can imagine, like, ego is not a bad way in what I'm saying. It's like, imagine the ego in somebody like that. You're like, no, like, I, the, I have the last word. But you, when you're starting to really big, build a successful program like that at a high level, like, you got to start hearing more voices. And he did that. Like, we were able to input more. He trusted me and Zach, you know, from a junior and senior year especially, and the assistant coaches. And, like, that stuff, then it really took off. Like, you saw in, what, 2017 – I remember never forget watching him and Jordan Poole getting an argument. And if oh, like, yeah. we would have done that, what back when I played, it would have been like Armageddon. Like you would have been sprinting the next day. <laughs> but like to them, it was like, all right, you just move on. Like now we're just, you know, managing egos back and forth and we got the talent. So it was uh, cool to see that progression. He not only was a stickler for detail, but he he adjusted a little bit. Like he he made adjustments. He tried to improve. It wasn't just you know, we're going to stick to this type of offense. Like his offense even changed in my time when we were there. Went to a super heavy ball screen offense, which is he never did in his entire life. So there's a lot of different things. But, yeah, that, that attention detail was for sure one that sticks out for me. Well, and, you know, you mentioned Zach in there. And to me, Stu Douglas and, and Zach Novak are like – that's like peanut butter and jelly to, to Michigan <laughs> basketball fans, right? Like, I'll take that. And so I'm, I'm curious – uh, you got to have like a little, a funny Zach story, right? Like some, it's, it's, it seems like you guys are boys. Like you, you got to have yeah. something good on Zach for me. Oh, it, I got a perfect story for that. So we are all very <laughs> opposite. We're very opposite in how we want to lead, how we want to play basketball. Uh, he's more fiery, whereas his emotions on his sleeve. I'm very reserved. I will take you to the side and tell you, you know, give you your direction or tell you're doing good or bad or pick it up. You know, he'll just scream it in front of your face, in front of everybody. So we we complement each other like peanut butter and jelly that way, leadership wise. The last two years, really well, especially senior year when I really came into my own that way. He was trying to do that since his sophomore year. He was fully ready to do that from the get go. But me and him had an interesting start because like we were friends and teammates, but there's always this underlying competition, right? Like we're two like six three white guys, six three six four white guys from Indiana, and like who's better, you know? And there was always like this uh, unspoken kind of competition between the two, even though we played different positions, but we started out both playing the two guard spot. So, you know, there was times we did really didn't like each other, but my story was, I think it was my junior year, maybe end of my junior year. And we're going out and we're in his room. He's not home. And I'm with a couple of players I won't say, but I was 21 at the time. And we're having some drinks <laughs> in Zach's room. We got a bottle of Ciroc of all things and some Ruby red and we're drinking in Zach's room. We're playing video games on his TV with his uh, setup. And then we go out and we leave the drinks there. 
and which you shouldn't do, right? You try, you, we didn't trash this room, but you should have, I should have cleaned it up. But we leave, uh-huh. we go to Skeeps, shout out Skeeps, and we come back, and I come back home, and he has thrown everything in his room, like all the drinks that we had, into my room. So like, there's like spills on the carpet and the bed. He didn't like it. So I come back, and uh, I blow up. Like I completely blow up and me and Zach have been cordial the whole time. Like I've never blown. I really, I've never blew up my entire time in Michigan besides that. That was it. He, and he's like, I thought you weren't staying here. I was going to clean up before you got home tomorrow. But I completely blew up, got out of the house, like st- got forced out of the house. And after that, like he was like, oh, I, I didn't know you had that in you a little bit. And I think we both had a mutual respect. And I think it was like one of those times where you just need to like get out all like your underlying yeah. competition, all your underlying tension that you had, like the tension you can't really speak on. And it just got it out. And ever since then, like we were like right there, just thick as thieves in terms of like uh, in unison with how we thought, how we should direct, like we had mutual respect for each other. We always did, but like that peaked it out to, to max levels after that. So it was an interesting way to do it. But I mean, however you get there, you, you, you get there eventually. So that was, uh, that's always my fun Zach story. I think that's what is like the initiation for brothers, right? Like you're not really brothers until you get in a fight, right? So you, oh, yeah. you had Big to time. work it out a little bit. Yep. Um, let's move on to the, the current Michigan basketball team because I know you stay uh, stay tuned in to what's going on. I listen to your yeah. pod. It's it, it's great. Go Blue with Stu. Um, you know, it's obviously been a little bit of a bumpy ride this year. What's your overall assessment of, of Juwan Howard and this current uh, staff and this current team? Yeah, man, that's a complicated answer. I think I'll answer it this way, saying that I think they finally figured out their balance offensively in who they are or who they're going to be, who they want to be, whether or not, you know, that end up them making a tournament and winning games. Um, whatever the case there is, they've at least now established their identity. They have four guys that are going to be their main threats offensively. And they've got, you know, some of the most dynamic guards at any point in any game, I think in the big 10, like they're one, two, and three combo. You know, I'm not going to, I don't, I haven't watched all the big 10 in depth. I'm not going to say it's the best in the big 10, but like their talent, when they get going, like at their peak, their one, two, and three spots are huge for them. And they've finally started to figure out who's going to do what and when we're going to do it and how we're going to be aggressive. And like, you've seen it in the last couple of games with, Hunter not even be able to get off shots and they still scored in the eighties and still been efficient doing it. So I think they figured that out that way. That's been a long journey for Juwan. I don't envy the coaching staff at all. I've had my own opinions about what the coaching staff should do and how they should execute plays, how they should utilize players. But that takes a lot of time, so much time. It's so easy for you and me to sit here and just say it. And then you're like, okay, let's say you want to implement a new wrinkle in the offense. Like, all right, we're going to do this now. That takes weeks to like really get yeah. to up to speed for players. And especially when you have young guys who haven't really done any of this at this level before, it takes time. So it's been impressive to watch the young players figure it out and come together, especially offensively. Now, defensively, I got my opinions on things. I got, I, I'm not, I, there's a lot left to be desired there. But again, young guys still figuring out what the hell help side is, how to get around, um, you know, the last game. It was Kobe Bufkin, who I, I think is one of the best perimeter defenders, their best perimeter defender, like consistently all yeah, in all help side absolutely. and on the ball. And he was the guy who lost Peyton Sanford for two threes and an and one three, like two threes back to back in the last minute. 
And I know I I know Kobe will that'll never happen to him again. Like that's that's the type of stuff you have to figure out and it sucks that has to come in a loss, but I know that now that'll never happen again. So you have to be patient with them. It's kind of a back and forth with this team and coaching staff where you're like, just you want to shake him and like, just do this. And it's like, ah, it's not that easy. So I've uh, I've seen in real time them learning, the coaching staff learn. Like I've seen Juwan figure out how to coach a young team. You know, when you had Livers and Franz and Hunter and that team, like that was a lot easier. That was so much easier to coach. Like even when they made defensive mistakes, they were still like three guys, six, eight and above that would just figure it out. Like this team's just very different. So he's coming into his own. He's growing a lot. Like top to bottom, everybody's growing. And like, I think no matter what happens, that's all you can ask for. I I hope there's not the same uh, talks for his head, for his job, kind of like how Bion went through my junior year. Yeah, I, I think there's still some room for improvement, but I'm seeing it. So I'm excited. I'm excited, but I'm going to try and remain optimistic. Uh, I, I have remained optimistic throughout the entire year, but I this team does excite me a lot. Yeah, same here. That's the approach I've taken, especially when you, when you're starting point guard tears his ACL, right? Like that's not a not recipe yet. for an easy for an easy road. Um, you know, I was thinking about this, but do do you think Jet Howard is the best? freshman we've seen at Michigan since the Fab Five? That's a good question. I I think he's at least up there. The only guy I would say is Trey. And I would put Trey ahead of him, but I'm biased because I play with Trey. And I just know, like, from a guard standpoint, from a point guard standpoint, what we relied on Trey um, or how we relied on Trey, like the volume that we relied uh, on Trey, like offensively. Now, defensively, we were still like having to push him into help side because he was a little lost there. But yeah, offensively, yeah. I mean, he was just unbelievable and so consistent. And we literally just rode his ball screens to the promised land completely. And I mean, he was going head to head with Aaron Kraft, who was the best perimeter defender in college basketball in the last 10 years, I think, if not top five, or at least top five. And he was, you know, led us to a win at home. Again, Sam, like, scoring on him. I was like, dude, this is it. This kid's an NBA player in this short frame. So I would say it's, they're pretty close, but because Trey was a point guard and, like, had to have the ball in his hands all game, I, I having played it briefly, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very difficult position. It's so hard. The demands of it are so, so much more difficult than people realize. Uh, from a mental standpoint, let alone a physical standpoint. So I would give Trey the edge there. But other than that, yeah, like maybe Jamal Crawford. Um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, you got to go back to the Big Ten. But Jamal, you know, Jamal was a brief stint, but uh, Jamal was. Yeah, we didn't see, Jamal we didn't see much of Jamal. Yeah. 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 That's a good call out on Trey Burke, though, man. I always think of his sophomore year as being kind of that that standout year for him. But he, I mean, hell, he was a baller as a freshman, too. That, he was, that's a yeah, good point. What, 15, 16 a game. And yeah, he was incredible. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about you a little bit, man. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but let's let's. Uh, I want to know what you're up to. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I briefly, you know, have checked in and I've seen you. You were balling in in Israel. Is that is that still a thing? Are you still playing overseas? No, no. So last, well, two summers ago, I retired. So now I'm in the professional okay. world, the big big boy world, and I've been a year now into my new job. Um. But yeah, nine years overseas, one in Spain, eight in Israel. Uh, it was a good run. But I got I got married last April. 
COVID kind of threw a wrench. I remember. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I was already having some struggles with basketball. Then COVID hit and I was in my apartment in Israel alone for like however long it was like a month, month and a half. And it felt like three years. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I kind of want to be home now. So I went home, um, met my then wife and things happened real quick. And that was just like a COVID relationship. And it, took off like all right let's get married and i'm like well i can't go back if this is going to happen so i had a brief stint at the end there where i had some fun for like a month or two but um yeah that was a that was a pretty easy decision it was a great career but i'm i'm glad that i am i'm here now and i got out of basketball what i needed out of it it's weird to not be playing a little bit but um i've accepted it that's been a whole journey like accepting your basketball being done because i've been a basketball player since i was six years old so it's weird to not identify like that anymore, but it's comfortable now. So I'm, I'm good with it. And of course you've got the, the go blue with Stu podcast. I, I, I listened to the episode with Ant Wright. You had kind of at the end of the year, a couple of weeks ago. And then I, I always check in just to see, because it's, it's nice to get a basketball perspective from somebody that actually played on the team. And so I'm always checking in. That's a great pod. Um, is there anything Appreciate else it. that you're working on that you want to, you want to shout out or plug right here? Yeah, got the Go Blues Stew podcast on the Field of 68 Network. That's a lot of fun. Got guests every week on that. Uh, continue to do that. And then we got a new podcast out. Me and Nick Stauska is called the Men of Ann Arbor Podcast with the Big Ten Network. Uh, Beyond Big Ten is what they're calling it. It's like at Beyond Big Ten. Uh, Ten is one zero. So that's, that's new. Um, just me and Nick breaking down basketball. Might have guests here and there, but really just me and Nick giving that basketball perspective again. And it's been fun. I've never been more in tune with Michigan basketball. I've never been more of a fan of Michigan basketball than I am right now. So it's it's uh it's cool to have these podcasts and be able to stay in touch and and stay a part of basketball that way. You know, it's kind of giving it's scratching my itch a little bit. My mom begged me for years to come back and be a college coach or a coach of some kind. And everyone since I retired was like, well, "You want to coach?" And I'm like, "Absolutely not." Like I want to stay away from that <laughs> end of basketball as as much as possible. Maybe one day I'll get there, but. I saw what that's like. I don't want that. And this is giving me a little bit of that. So it's cool. Like I've, like I said, never been a fan. It's hard to explain, but like never been a fan until I was like, you know, from high school and I loved the Pacers. Like I loved Reggie Miller, but ever since then it's been the difference. So it's cool to kind of reignite that flame um, and have it going forward. But yeah, you can find me in those two podcasts. Uh, We'll continue those till the end of the year and some in the summer. Um, But yeah. Well, we're happy you're doing it, and I'm happy that you made some time for me today. Thank you so much, Stu. Um, I, I really appreciate it. I'm going to let you get back to that that new wife of yours and uh, <laughs> get back to living the dream, man. So you have a good one. Thank you, and go blue. Appreciate it, Michael. Thanks. <laughs>